0: All right, hey everybody, welcome to week two. It is uh, now day 23 on the quarantine count up, and it's week two of the term. I hope everybody's settled in as well as you possibly can and that you're cruising along. The term is gonna go quickly, uh, even though it never feels like it right here at the beginning, my experience is it always just goes along and then suddenly it's boom, it's the end of the term. Anyway, here we are. Week two, and this week I'm gonna focus on the campaign manager as kind of the overall coordinator and conductor of a campaign, and today I'm gonna do a lecture on the management of a campaign. Got the diagram already up here on the board. And uh, on Wednesday, there's going to be a guest lecture interview with Rebecca Tweed, who is a very experienced campaign manager, uh, both for candidates and for ballot measures. Now, one, one thing to note is that I have a diagram here of managing a campaign and i have a candidate here and there are two kinds of campaigns that we're going to uh, cover in this class that exist in the world candidate campaigns and ballot measure campaigns Uh, a lot of what i talk about today has is relevant for ballot measure campaigns and i'll maybe note some places where uh, there are In a ballot measure campaign, there's even more emphasis on a particular kind of activity. But I'm going to focus on a candidate campaign because that is really the more common kind. Even though there are lots of ballot measures, there are way, way more candidates. And uh, learning how to run a candidate campaign is kind of, I would say, more complicated uh, and more central to the, our political system. So here's the diagram and I'm going to go through all of it, but note that we have now the candidate. and. The thing about the candidate is that in this model, when we're talking about managing a campaign, uh, the candidate is actually one of the elements of management. Very few candidates actually manage their own campaigns, and candidates, in fact, shouldn't ideally have a really uh, uh, in-depth, comprehensive role in running their campaign. Some candidates are more likely to be micromanagers or more likely to take over management uh, management tasks, Um, but it's not really the ideal situation and it's also not the norm. Now, one of the things that I'm gonna focus on today too is what are the skills that are required to be a successful campaign manager? Uh, I have these up here in parentheses and I'll discuss them as they become relevant. I don't have any of the skills that are necessary to be a candidate and we will talk about this though this is largely a class in managing and running campaigns not necessarily in running for office yourself so that's kind of an indirect feature of what we're looking at in this class is what are the skills that are necessary for a candidate to have I will note about candidates because in this model and in the discussion today the candidate is actually a factor a management factor, Uh, while the boss of the campaign manager and the boss of the entire campaign, and the focus and purpose of the entire campaign existing, the candidate, him or herself, is a factor in this sense. Uh, There's all kinds of demands that are going to be made on the candidate to do what the campaign needs and wants, Um, and the candidate is a human being. the demands that the campaign put on the candidate might run into some of the human factors that are inside that particular person. Uh, It's very important for political candidates and people in public life in general to have boundaries. Uh, And that is one of the things that actually is told to people. And if you don't have boundaries, you quickly realize that you do need boundaries. And so those boundaries, and however the individual candidate sets those boundaries and maintains those boundaries, those boundaries are important because without boundaries, there goes your emotional and psychological well-being, and that is actually supremely damaging to a campaign. Um, so boundaries are necessary, but they're also obviously an obstacle for the campaign organization that, uh, you know, here I, I show there's two, there's two main lines of what is going into the candidate, where to go and what to do, what to say and how to say it. Uh, <clears throat> some candidates are fully pliable and great actors, right? They just say, okay, I want to win this race. Uh, send me where you need to send me. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what to say. Tell me how to say it. And then they have the acting abilities, the, in, the personality uh, um, uh, inclination to be able to pull that off. That is a rare candidate. Uh, and In a way, that's kind of the perfect candidate is uh, somebody who is able to be essentially put in the place where the campaign uh, needs it and is able to do and say the things that are necessary for that and that can also maintain boundaries so that their psychological and emotional well-being is at a high enough level that they can actually maintain that because that's, you know, there's a sustainability problem with that as well. If you have a candidate who's willing to be essentially shuttled around and told what to say and how to say it and uh, they don't live their life in a way that that's sustainable, there's going to be some kind of a breakdown. Uh, potentially an actual meltdown and obviously the worst of all things is a public meltdown. So some of what the campaign has to do is to, uh, you know, make its demands on the candidate known and acted on, but also then having to contend with the boundaries that the candidate puts on, as well as the limitations that the candidate as a human being has to being Told where to go, and what to do, what to say, and how to say it. There are a number of different limitations to the extent to which the campaign organization can treat the candidate like essentially like a puppet, a marionette. Uh, uh, One is the candidate's ability to do that, right? Part of what you have to know is, well, I want my candidate to say this message to an audience, to a camera, to uh, a small group of of potential voters. I want them to say this with a deep level of empathy and to really connect with the audience. Now, empathy is, there's a spectrum of empathy. Some people have a tremendous amount of empathy. Some people have almost no empathy at all. And most of us are somewhere in between, skewing towards one direction or the other. Your candidate can develop empathy over the course of a campaign. And actually, uh, political life, believe it or not, can push you in two directions. One of two, and I think actually in both directions. It pushes you to have more empathy because you are actually connecting to people a lot. You're meeting a lot more people, uh, certainly not right now when we're all uh, doing the shelter in place thing, but in, in, the, in normal times, and the future will come when this will happen again, people in elected office, people running for elected office are far more exposed to humanity, to actual people, than, uh, the, than the average human being. And that can promote empathy because what it does for you is it actually shows you what people are like. It shows you their struggles. It shows you people actually at a very vulnerable uh, place where they're coming to you to either ask you to take on their issue or asking you for help or seeing if you're gonna be a person who's going to actually help them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, it also can, because there's so much, it can actually also push in the opposite direction to reduce your empathy to make people seem more like a problem for you to solve and less like human beings. Uh, but we have a campaign, we have a candidate, that candidate roughly has a fixed level of empathy at that particular moment uh, that could either develop during the campaign, but it's likely to be relatively fixed. That's what you have to deal with. If you have a candidate who is maybe a supremely empathetic person inside, but isn't really good at projecting that to a camera, isn't good at having that shown in a public meeting because maybe they have a little bit of uh, stage fright, isn't good at doing that in one-on-one or small group uh, interactions because maybe they're socially awkward, Uh, a deeply caring person who has a lot of empathy might have all of those essentially campaign deficits, right? If you have stage fright, if you're socially awkward, and if you can't connect with people through a camera, uh, and I will tell you that I'm, I'm learning a lot of the challenges of connecting with people through a camera, because I'm doing it day in and day out now, We're recording these lectures in an environment that is absent what it normally has, other people with their energy and their facial expressions and their body language, and of course the interplay. Uh, so I'm very much aware of the fact that it can be Very challenging and I I actually have to say, I don't want to brag too much, but I feel grateful that I actually have pretty quick ease with the camera. Um, (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean I'm a natural that I'm great at this, but I actually am able to kind of act in a way that I forget that there's no class out there because I'm you know I do a little bit of visualization. But from the point of view of the campaign, the candidate's ability to connect with people to if you need the candidate to be uh i I used empathy as one example there's a lot of things that the campaign might want the candidate to need to do that they're going to have a variable level of skill at doing so part of running a good campaign and i haven't even talked about the manager yet but obviously i've been talking about the campaign as it is telling the candidate what to do where to go what to say how to say it Uh, that is all in the hands of of uh, the campaign manager from the point of view of the campaign manager, the candidate has a set of skills and liabilities, limitations, uh, has personal boundaries, also has potentially um, uh, political and uh, moral boundaries, right? They have a, a candidate has a conscience. Every candidate is a human being. And much as campaigns will actually sometimes skew into treating the candidate like, you know, they should be this marionette that the campaign can move around, they are human beings, and human beings have all kinds of ideas about what they do and don't want to do. Not to mention the fact that this is the public face of the campaign. This is the person who has to get out there and and do it. So if the campaign is telling the candidate, like, okay, what's really important right now to people is to feel as though uh, the government is in charge, is calm, is uh, looking at the hard facts, is listening to experts, and is capable of telling people the hard truths. Right? This is, these are all things that we want right now during the coronavirus pandemic that we want and need from uh, our political leaders. And obviously we're looking at the people who are speaking to us and we're seeing that there's a hugely variable uh, range, a huge range of abilities to do all of those important things. But let's say this is this is just actually like you know a normal campaign. Uh, but the can campaign says like okay, here's what you have to do. This is what people want. People want this sort of calm, strong, hard facts uh, um, uh, re- reckoning. If the candidate can't do that, or if the candidate says you know that's not who I am. I'm not that person. I'm the person. I'm a person who's actually much more likely to. To be able to, or I need to, uh, like make people feel good, not to use just a little bit of fear uh, to show that I'm a reassuring presence. Like I can't do that. I, I just it's, it's not in me. That's something that the campaign has to take into account, right? Um, this is maybe not the best example to show because it would be hard to see a candidate who's like, you know, I don't want to seem reassuring, or I don't have it in me. That's, that doesn't, that's not going to cross a boundary for most people for their conscience. But for example, if some of that is okay you have to play up the fact that this is a fearsome dangerous time right there's a pandemic there was a terrorist attack uh we you know our analysis shows us that constituents in your district are uh, afraid of you know immigrants they're afraid of whatever they're afraid of we want you to speak to that fear and not necessarily drum it up like crazy but we need you to speak to that fear and make and, and, and acknowledge the reality of that fear and Demonstrate that you are, in fact, capable of handling the thing that people are afraid of right now. I can't if I just say, I can't do, I cannot do any kind of fear-mongering. And you would say, but it's not fear-mongering. It's just taking what people's fears are and reassuring them. It sounds like fear-mongering to me, right? This kind of interaction right there is actually extremely common uh, in politics. We tend to think, the, the general public tends to think of politicians as sort of power-hungry, robotic other types of beings. but And some of them are, right? There's definitely some people who are power hungry and robotic or they're such good actors they can do whatever they need to do and they just shove their conscience to the side or they don't have a conscience in the first place or so their conscience doesn't have dictates that ever run into what the cam, campaign needs from them. Um, but that's gonna happen all the time. This brings me to, I would say, the sort of first, last, and ever present skill and activity of a campaign manager, and that is candidate management. Um, Everybody that I've spoken to who's worked on a campaign at all, particularly either in this role or close to the top as a strategist or as a field director or a con director uh, or a treasurer is going to have to manage the candidate. They've all told me that that's a huge part of uh, the job of the campaign manager. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that campaigns are potentially going to ask the candidate to do things that they either don't want to do, they're uncomfortable with doing, it's burdensome for for them to do, is unnatural for them. And uh, that is something the campaign manager has to, one, get the candidate to do those things. And two, also understand how to balance the needs of the campaign with the needs of this human being so that maybe you don't have to do that thing. Uh, To to acknowledge the boundaries that exist, personal boundaries, the boundaries of conscience, the boundaries of skills. There's all of these particular boundaries that have to be taken uh, into account. This is a people skill. So candidate management is people skills, right? (laughs) It actually is a people skill or people skills. There's a variety of skills involved in this. The ability to read a person, the ability to speak to them in a way that is the most convincing to them. The ability to uh, understand when you are getting through to somebody or when you're actually running up against a brick wall. Uh, there's diplomacy, there's uh, a sort of emotional and psychological uh, skillfulness. There's a lot that goes into candidate management and it's a relationship, right? There's all kinds of relationships the campaign manager's going to have and there's all kinds of people. I've, I've laid out just the very few main roles and, you know, from a managerial point of view, even on a relatively small campaign, like a state legislative campaign, there's not going to be that many human beings involved. So the campaign manager won't have to manage that many people. But even if it's a huge campaign, the campaign manager is not going to know and, and involve themselves with all the people they are going to involve themselves with the with key people. Obviously, the keyest of all these key people is the candidate. This, I draw these two up here, this is a relationship And this is a relationship that is, in my opinion, on the order of complexity of a marriage uh, or any kind of long-term partnership. Now, it's short-term, though potentially, and what does happen in a lot of cases, is that the campaign manager of a successful campaign goes on to be that person when they win election, goes on to be their chief of staff or their legislative director or something in an important uh, role when that person goes from being candidate to being uh, public official, but a lot of these people actually are pros who just who don't get pulled into the government side once the election is over um, So it's a it's a short-term relationship in a lot of cases It could be personally a long-term relationship These two people could have known each other for a long time and then this is but during the time of the campaign There's an intensity to this relationship that and a multi-dimensionality that is equivalent to business partners or long-term intimate partners and uh, You know, marriage, uh, long-term relationship. There are a variety of analogies uh, that uh, obtain here. And all of the skills that are required to maintain a good relationship, a sustainable relationship, are essential here. Plus... (laughs) other skills so the campaign manager actually I think that hopefully at the end of this uh, lecture you'll get you'll have one uh, big appreciation for people who run these campaigns is that this is a multi-talented multi-dimensional person capable of uh, executing uh, possessing and executing different skills and doing all the balancing that's required to actually uh, you know to to, to balance all those skills and themselves to do it in a sustainable fashion, because what's true for candidates is also true for managers: is that there are uh, there are limitations. You have to maintain boundaries as well. You have to make sure that you can take care of your psychological and emotional well-being as well as your physical well-being. Uh, what goes true for the candidate, you know, candidates they they need to make sure they have time for. Their family. They need to make sure they have time for private reflection. They need to make sure they have time for healthy eating and physical fitness. Uh, All of these are components of a sustainable life in a campaign. And the the bigger the office, the longer the campaign, the more this is true. If you're running for, say, state legislative office, you're looking at a few months of pretty active campaigning. And so, you know, it's less important in that case when you're doing, say, for, for two to four months, for you to really maintain a good physical fitness and health uh, and uh, dietary regime, it's always important, but it's less crucial there. If you're running for governor uh, of a state, or you're running for city council in a major city, or mayor of a major city, and you're looking at six months or more, uh, you know, in the case of governor, you're really looking at closer to a year. Certainly, if you're running for Senate uh, or definitely President, you're looking at you know at many months in a row. All of these forms of uh, uh, well-being and sustaining that well-being are really important. The same is true for the campaign manager. And the campaign manager has a lot to do. There's different pressures, right? The campaign manager doesn't have to get in front of people and speak and uh, meet with uh, constituents and potential voters. Have to meet with. There's a lot of things the candidate does that the campaign manager doesn't do. But then there's a lot of things the campaign manager does, all this stuff over here, that the candidate doesn't ever have to do. So part of these people skills and part of candidate management is actually also maintaining boundaries you know if it's one in the morning and the candidate calls you on your cell phone and you know with with anxiety about tomorrow's uh public appearance and the speech that they're supposed to read and they don't really think that it's right or do you do you take that call uh do you always take that call do you sometimes i take that call do you say to the candidate never call me past midnight or do you say to the candidate i'm available to you 24 7 so part of candidate management skill is actually personal management skill as well again i say this in all my classes i'll say it again and again politics is a human endeavor and it's so easy so easy to forget that we're talking about human beings uh, but they are they're human beings with all of our frailties and limitations and uh, uh, obstacles and boundaries that come along with that so the, candidate, the the candidate, or excuse me, the manager has to possess cam, people skills, personal management skills. Typically, in terms of, this is the political science side of me, by the time you get to this kind of position where you're running a campaign, uh, unless basically you're running a, like a small city, city council race where you just got out of college and you interned somewhere and then somebody who's running for city council says, hey, will you run my campaign? That's actually how you can get campaign uh, manager job really early on and that happens all the time but at any higher level, like if you're running for city council, if you're running in a a major city, if you're running for mayor or governor or even state legislature, to be a campaign manager, you're gonna have to have a decent level of experience in politics, and so you will have had a chance to develop this set of skills, and you wouldn't be here if you didn't already have a certain uh, set of people skills. So the system kind of selects for this anyway. Doesn't mean that it's not something that we should say, wow, that's pretty impressive that this person has these, these skills. Uh, uh, I'm hoping, I haven't done the guest lecture interview with Rebecca Tweed yet, but I'm hoping to get her to talk about campaign, uh, excuse me, candidate management. She has moved largely from doing candidate central campaigns to ballot measure centered campaigns. Uh, Though she does do still a little bit of of candidate work, but she's made that move because this is actually, uh, in my conversation, this is a big job. And at a certain point, maybe it just becomes something that you don't want to put all of your time and your energy into uh, candidate management. Okay, what else does a campaign manager do? Well, I have two arrows that point down to the campaign operations. Okay, and I'll just quickly review what the campaign operation looks like. This is this this should be this is a slightly different simplified version of the diagram that I had in the last lecture, showing the three major containers of a campaign: fundraising, organization, and communication. And then the paid pros uh, uh, who are in here. I'll note quickly the connections, the internal connections. I haven't made this as complex as it really is in reality because I didn't want to muddy the diagram too much. But the uh, fundraising is, uh, uh, box is led by a treasurer, the organization box is led by a field director, and the communications box is led by a communications director. And there may, there are different titles that associate with these, so this is not exactly the org chart for all campaigns, but it's the general one. Um, in a even a small campaign, you really want to have four people, right? At minimum, right? Somebody doing the management, somebody, uh, as the treasurer, somebody as the field director, and somebody as the communications director. Now, in a small campaign where there's only those four people, uh, that will actually simplify the interpersonal task of coordinating and managing this, um, but it also means that you don't have uh, necessarily as big of a specialized uh, skill sets because the communications director isn't necessarily a person who knows how to write a speech or who knows how to write a script for a a radio or television ad, or certainly knows how to produce one. So hopefully there are gonna be other people. A communications director should have some savvy in social media, but isn't necessarily the social media expert. Anyway, it'll be these four people are kind of at the C-suite level. These are the executives of the campaign. This is the chief executive. These are the uh, other high-level executives. Then the paid pros are the people who the campaign pays to do things like Provide uh, demographic and uh, strategic analysis, polling, focus grouping, uh, messaging help, uh, that kind of thing. I talked about that last time. And we'll look at messaging in a a, a deep way, uh, multi dimensional way, uh, in part two of the class. And I'll I'll be interviewing some people who actually are these paid pros who do this thing. Um, But the treasure. Connects with the field director in terms of events. Like the field director is in charge of events. Some events are public events uh, that are intended to generate support and votes and do coalition building. Other events are events that are intended for fundraising. And of course, fundraising events can also have that that component of uh, public, that public component of building coalitions and getting endorsements and and support. Uh, The treasurer obviously also gives a budget to this person and a budget to this person. And um, the communications director aids in the social media aspect of fundraising. Now, these are the only interconnections between these three sort of primary uh, managers of each of the important boxes of a campaign. But uh, already what this shows is there's going to be communication among these. And one of the things that that the campaign manager needs to do is to coordinate that. Right. This is a court there's coordination to make sure one that there's, there are good lines of communication. Two, to make sure that that communication is being used. Three, to make sure that the people are listening to each other and actually following through uh, on what they uh, need from each other. and if they don't follow through, uh, managing the conflicts that arise there, the hurt feelings, the fact that like I, you know, I'm the uh, treasurer, and I say, you know, I need more social media support in raising and getting small dollar donors. And the communications director's like, yeah, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We have more important things to do. The treasurer's like, there's nothing more important than raising small dollar donations. How do you think that we're paying for your stuff? That's the kind of potential conflict and hurt feelings. And there's, you know, you can probably imagine. Uh, You know, innumerable other kinds of conflicts and hurt feelings that happen. This is a workplace. Many of you, if not all of you, have worked in the workplace where you had to work with other people. You're on teams, you're in a hierarchy, or you're in some kind of structure where people rely on each other for what I have to do, relies on what you have to do. A campaign is absolutely an interdependent uh, team-based work system with a very high-pressure, short-term, goal-oriented type of uh, uh, endeavor, which... Probably some of you have jobs like that. Others maybe don't necessarily have uh, jobs that are that high pressure or that particularly goal-oriented. But you can imagine very easily all kinds of hurt feelings. Now, I've put oversight coordination as an administrative skill. Um, One of the sub-skills of administrative uh, administrative skills is actually a certain kind of people skills. Managing interpersonal conflict, managing hurt feelings, managing different personalities. Right. Let's say that we have a very laid back communications director, really good at figuring out messaging that will reach uh, voters, really good at knowing how to write uh, speeches and how to turn what the paid pros are, are telling them are the strategic needs into messaging. But really laid back, right? And, uh, you know, uh, deadlines are uh, adhered to, but maybe not necessarily with a high level of urgency. And we have a very type A, driven, uh, aggressive treasurer, and that's going to create a personality conflict. Uh, this, is pr- this is probably a very, uh, a very common one that, that maybe many of you have been on one side or the other, or you've seen friends or siblings or co-workers have this particular kind of conflict. It's absolutely the campaign manager's job to handle that kind of, let's call it, personality disconnect, and then also any of the fallout from that particular personality disconnect. Uh, Campaign is a team, it's also a family, and families bicker and fight, and in the case of a family, that's just kind of what it does. In the case of a campaign, that kind of bickering and fighting, coldness, not returning texts, you know, uh, um, blowing up in the office or blowing up over telephone calls, that kind of thing can be really detrimental. That spins off the energy of the campaign, right? An important resource in a campaign is energy. Money is an important resource, energy is an important resource, dedication is an important resource. All of those resources need to be managed and marshaled and used as efficiently as possible And it's the campaign manager's job to do that. So that's an administrative skill, is making sure that the resources are being uh, utilized in their most efficient manner. But that administrative skill brings with it also a set of people skills. And they're they're related to, they're adjacent to, but different from the people skills that the manager has to use in relation to uh, the candidate. Um, The the thing here is this is this is a relationship, and so is this. But this is a boss relationship, and this is essentially a collaborative relationship and that's obviously very different. And then the boundaries that a candidate uh, uh, fa- or excuse me, the boundaries that a candidate has that the campaign manager has to face and deal with are different than the kinds of boundaries uh, that uh, happen in here. Also, these people, unlike the candidate, are potentially expendable, right? Um, you don't want to do this. But if your communications director is actually so laid back that they're not meeting deadlines, that they're actually just ignoring uh, calls from the uh, treasurer for more social media help in in raising small-hour donations, and that's crucial to the whole functioning of the campaign, it may just be that the manager has to get rid of that communications director and find a new person. And often, these people have worked together before and they have relationships uh, that are long-term and it's like firing a friend. It might be hard to fire a friend, but a, you can't fire the candidate. <laughs> the candidate can fire the campaign manager, and that does happen. Though in, in successful campaigns, there's uh, there's less turnover at the top than in unsuccessful campaigns. Um, but that's. An administrative, managerial, also a people skill is, well, When is it? when has this conflict gone too far? When is the laid-back communications director, or, you know, let's just flip it, when is the laid-back treasurer? The treasurer's like, yeah, we're fine. And the campaigner's like, no, we're not fine. We need more money. The last month is coming up. We're gonna need a bigger budget for uh, airtime because uh, our analysis tells us that there are a lot of persuadable voters and our polls show us it's really close and that if we actually reach these people, Uh, And in a a big way, these persuadable voters, and and we have to do this on uh, paid media, we need money, right? And so a laid-back treasurer is not going to be able to do this. Now, I, I can multiply these examples a thousand times, but I think that you get the point that what is going on is that the campaign manager has to make sure that there's fluid, peaceful, productive cooperation going on, and that's the coordination. Now, the oversight piece, and this is even just a little bit more traditionally administrative, the oversight piece is just making sure that the things that need to get done are getting done and that priorities are set and uh, maintained and that priorities are juggled when necessary, right? Uh, A campaign has one deadline, Election Day, but there are also all kinds of other micro-deadlines in between there. For example, when we're talking about endorsements, Uh, There's the time when the newspapers, the relevant newspapers, are going to be issuing those endorsements. And so getting uh, to getting that endorsement or even having a chance for it, you have have to have an earlier meeting with the editorial board. So that's a particular deadline. Preparing the candidate for the endorsement meeting is a high priority as opposed to preparing the candidate for going out and meeting... Uh, um, potential fundraisers at that moment and then when that's gone then uh, meeting potential fundraisers might become the new priority. Because it's such a short term high stakes uh, uh, endeavor there are going to be priorities that shift constantly and uh, it's, it's crucial that you make sure that those priorities are being attended to, that they're being met, that energy is being expended on the most important things and that things at the bottom of the to-do list that are maybe easy and fun to do, but that aren't crucial right at this moment, that those things are being done when they're supposed to be done. And that priorities are are, uh, juggled and transformed and that that's communicated to the relevant people when they need to be. It's like, okay, now now is the time to be focused on fundraising. And then at a certain point, now is the time to be focused on uh, uh, events and messaging. Uh, Oh, and now we need to go back to to fundraising because we've actually had enough success at spending our money and doing these things that we need more money to be able to to, to capitalize on our success. So that is really, that's a person who has the big picture in mind. It's it's the campaign manager's job to have the big picture in mind. The treasurer's job is to have the treasury in mind. And the field director's job is to make sure that the organization, all the things that are being done on the ground, the ground game in mind, the communications director is all about messaging you don't necessarily want these people to ignore what other people are doing and of course there's communication and coordination that needs to be done but it's not their job to think about what the other people in the organization need to be doing and should be doing right now and how that contributes to the entire effort it's the campaign managers job and uh, that's big picture thinking, that's also detail orientation in terms of priorities and to-do lists uh, and making sure that benchmarks are being met, like, okay, we have to have this done by this time, um, or we're going to set benchmarks, like we want to have our Instagram, we want to have an extra thousand followers on Instagram by this particular time. doesn't necessarily mean that if you fall short of it, you fire your comm director, but these kinds of benchmarks are essential in any kind of high stakes uh, endeavor. So, it's this person's job to have the big picture in mind. It's their job to make sure that, that things are being done, that priorities are being set and rejuggled when necessary. It's this person's job to make sure communication and coordination is flowing. It's this person's job to make sure that personality and professional conflicts uh, um, that might be occurring get smoothed over and dealt with quickly or that they are hopefully you know, proactively avoided in the first place. It's this person's job to make sure that people are doing their job and that they don't need to be replaced. That's an awful lot, right, coupled with the people skills that it takes to manage a candidate. But again, as I said, there are people skills involved here, too, and they are adjacent to this. So a campaign manager is a very organized person who's capable of having the big picture in mind as well as the details in mind, who's fluid and capable of uh, uh, reorienting priorities, but who's also good with working with people. There's a reason why at high levels this is a highly paid position because it's a rare commodity to have somebody who's good at this stuff. Third set of skills, it comes. Uh, this is probably what most people think a campaign manager is supposed to do, and actually, it is. I think it's the, it's the third most important thing. I think candidate management is is the most important. Close second is organizational oversight and coordination strategic direction is also in the hands of the campaign manager. And the reason why I say it's the third most is because it's really these people's job, in coordination with the communication director, the field director, uh, as to where to go, what to do, what to say, how to say it. The campaign manager doesn't actually have to make those choices. And that's really something the campaign manager probably shouldn't be doing, ideally, given all the rest of the stuff that uh, they have to do, that is not, uh, that that's a level of micromanagement that, except that the smallest campaign, like you know, say you're running for city council in, uh, um, in Vancouver, Washington, so, uh, that's a, you, a campaign manager could get involved in these things, but even then they probably shouldn't, uh, but maybe they are, but in it, but it, any campaign above that, if you're, if you're running a campaign for somebody who's running for city council of Portland. You really cannot be working at the level of, okay, where do you go, what are you going to do, what are you going to say, how are you going to say it? The manager is really, and I've diagrammed it this way, is really the pass-through for strategic direction. Uh, The paid professionals, this is one of the reasons, as I indicated last time, that money is so important in a campaign. Is not necessarily just to bombard the airwaves with ads. That might or might not be necessary. It's to be able to purchase the expertise. And what are you purchasing? I talked about this last time. We'll look at this a little bit further uh, in part two of the class, but basically what you're purchasing, you're purchasing purchasing analysis, polling, and strategic recommendations. Analysis is who are the voters? What do they look like? What's the situation uh, uh, that we face in terms of turnout versus swayability? Where are the voters? uh, What are the things that are uh, important to them? Polling tells us where we are, and I include focus groups within polling um, because focus groups tell us where we are in a qualitative way and polling tells you in a quantitative way. And then our paid pros make strategic recommendations. They say here's what we think you should do. Here's the type of ad. Here are the themes in the stump speech. Here's the stuff. Sometimes they'll actually also be paid to, to enact some of those uh, strategic recommendations. So they could they could not just tell the communications people what to do and give them Give them recommendations, but actually be part of the endeavor. Like they, you might have a paid outside speechwriter, for example, um, instead of either a, a poorly paid intern or a college student, depending on the level, or a, or an internal professional speechwriter who's actually in the communications uh, department. So there's different campaigns have you know the 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 uh, the organization in terms of outsiders and insiders varies quite a lot, quite a lot. But at its very base. The paid professionals are providing, and the reason why they have analysis and polling is because it feeds the strategic recommendations. That's really what they're doing. Now, the dotted line here is that the campaign manager is the pass-through for strategic recommendations. And in order to be able to then take the strategic recommendations and turn it into strategic direction that is uh, handed down to the campaign, and the strategic direction is uh, primarily aimed at organization and communications, Less so at fundraising, because the fundraising when it comes to strategic direction is really, it's a helper, right? Like, okay, here's the direction you need to go, and what do you need from, uh, from us on the fundraising side? What do you need from us in terms of money to make that a reality as, at a high, the highest level possible? Strategic direction is really providing the field director and the communications director with guidance on how they will then figure out the things they have to figure out, right? The field director is in charge of public events coalition building, and endorsements. They're also in charge of phone banks and door knocking, uh, which I haven't put up here because that's not part of the line to the candidate. The candidate doesn't need to know anything about door knocking. Uh, Maybe they will, but they don't need to know anything about it. They don't need to know anything about the phone banks. They need to know about these because these are the things that the candidate is directly involved in doing. Uh, So the strategic direction can be guidance. It can just be passing along the strategic recommendations to the two relevant sides, or it can be more detailed and some campaign managers are actually also strategic uh, geniuses themselves who understand how to motivate uh, voters how to sway voters how to uh, win endorsements how to build coalitions uh, that is a set of political skills that include some people skills right coalition building is absolutely a people skill um, but it's political skills and often these skills come from a combination of training experience and instinct, right? Your gut just tells you that at a moment like this, this is the kind of uh, uh, presentation that a candidate needs to to, to motivate turnout and to uh, sway persuadable voters, right? Or your campaign manager who doesn't have the ability to figure that out, but they know who to listen to, they know who to trust, they know when a strategic recommendation is actually worthwhile, worth passing along, or when Other people need to be paid to provide a different set of strategic recommendations. Or when to essentially delegate those choices to the people who are working in these particular uh, areas. Like, okay, here's the data that we're getting and here are the recommendations. What do you think is going to be the best thing that will get us the endorsement of the Oregonian and endorsement of the Willamette Week and of the Mercury Or As many of those uh, opinion-shaping... Uh, newspapers as possible. Um, <clears throat> or like, you know, they've, the, the paid pros have, have uh, recommended this set of political and community bloggers and that we reach out to them to get them to either contribute to the campaign or contribute uh, uh, or endorse us or contribute some of their energy to door knocking and phone banking. Um, I don't know how to talk to these people. You need to know. You, you figure out how to talk to them. But these are people we're going to talk to. So that's one example where um, the campaign manager can be a pass-through for strategic recommendations. And that's really important. Um, and again, the campaign manager is going to be a pass-through a lot of times anyway because you can't be a micromanager. You can't make all these decisions. If you're already doing these two other big jobs, you cannot be... Uh, determining the strategic direction at a super detailed level. You have to uh, be able to delegate and know who you can trust. And then of course part of your overall managerial skills, and this I think is a people skill as well, is knowing when you can, how much you can give to these people and how much is too much. When they need more direction than you're giving them or when they need more freedom than you're giving them. right? Uh, Some communications directors who have you know, I'm the storyteller, I'm the messenger, I know how to speak to voters. They might not want a super detailed level of strategic direction from the campaign manager, and the campaign manager is going to have to deftly be able to deal with that, right? There are, all people in, in the world have egos, and in politics, uh, people have often, at, at, especially when we're talking about people working in successful campaign after successful campaign, these people have pretty big egos and they should maybe have big egos. They're, they're, they're kicking ass, they're doing a great job. So dealing with those egos, especially when we're talking about strategic direction, um, is extremely important and that is a political skill in knowing your own limitations as a campaign manager in terms of political instincts, the art and science of, of messaging and of field work. Um, as a campaign manager, you. Ideally, like this is a position where you would have worked your way up through the mail room. You would have worked in all three of these different uh, um, brackets or all three of these different containers of a campaign. Maybe you haven't, but ideally you would. At minimum, though, you need to understand what goes on inside of each of these so well uh, and um, connect with the people who do these jobs that you can actually know how to delegate, how to be a boss, how to, how to uh, like when when is an idea a good idea, right? You don't necessarily have to be able to develop the good ideas yourself, but you have to be able to recognize when an idea is a good idea or when an idea is a bad idea, right? When uh, the communications director comes up with uh, a set of um, video posts, an idea for a set of video posts for the campaign's Instagram feed and the campaign managers can identify and say, oh no, that sounds like a great idea and that's super cute and cool and I know that this is like a pet idea of yours, but that's just not gonna work. That's, that, that is, that's gonna send us in the wrong direction. That's gonna, put, that's gonna make our candidate look a way that is not the right way for that candidate to look. Uh, that's the management of a campaign. It's a multi-dimensional endeavor It puts you in a number of different key relationships. It requires a relatively diverse set of skills, ranging from the ability to look at budget spreadsheets to the ability to talk a reluctant candidate into doing something that the campaign thinks that they need to do that that candidate is reluctant to do but that you know politically is key to moving forward in the campaign. That's an awful lot. It can sound like an awful lot, but one of the things to realize too is that you don't have to be awesome to win. And it could be that, let's say we have a two candidate race, that both campaigns are being managed at a mediocre way. Someone's gonna win anyway, right? Ideally, you want the most badass, diversely skilled, experienced, intuitive, diplomatic campaign manager possible to run your campaign. But you can win without it, and uh, campaigns, like any kind of uh, um, entrepreneurial venture, which is really what a campaign kind of is, it's an entrepreneurial venture, they can succeed by limping along, by having people yell at each other in the office, by having these conflicts, by having strategic recommendations that maybe aren't the best ones, uh, um, by not having enough polling, um, by having a campaign manager who's not able to talk the candidate into... into doing all of the appearances that uh, the uh, field director says that they need to do to do all this stuff, that you can have failures at every level, and you can still win. Uh, or you can lose. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the real ideal in politics is to, one, make sure that you win every race you should win. Two, win the races that are up for grabs. Uh, but you're going to lose sometimes. And part of what being a good campaign manager is about, and even being one who's mediocre at all these tasks, but who's good in the broader sense, is knowing how to lose, right? Um, Being able to lose, you're going to lose in politics. Very few people never lose. And the ability to lose... Also, the ability to have things go to hell, right? To have your treasurer and your comm director fighting. um, To have uh, a field director who basically just isn't very uh, deadline-driven. And so, oh, shit, shit, really? You let the Willamette Week editorial meeting for the endorsement pass without making sure our candidate was adequately prepared. And you said, oh, no, it's today. And you got him in a car and you got him over to the editorial board meeting, but you hadn't done enough preparation for how the candidate should speak to this editorial board, what kinds of answers are good, what's likely to get this key endorsement. You haven't done that. And you're like, oh shit, right? And that's that could be that could be key. But the goal is to win a race, you should win. And then if you can win races that are up for grabs, you can't win some of them. So, sometimes you have unwinnable races, and part of managing a campaign is knowing that you can't win them all. All right, that's kind of, I don't know if that's a super dark way to end today's lecture, but it's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a downer. But just know also that th- this job is also extremely exciting, and that's uh, one of the coolest things that you can do in politics. Some of you maybe will run campaigns someday. I hope that uh, a lot of you do. I think that probably why you're in this class is that you're interested in this uh, side of politics, and so this is one of your ambitions. I've never done it. I may someday do it. Uh, at one point in my teaching career, I was like, I'm never going to get myself involved in campaigns. Now it's, it's calling to me. I've never done it before, but I've met a lot of people who have, and it really is a pretty amazing job. And we're going to hear from somebody who's been doing it for a long time and doing it very successfully, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to interview out of her a lot of great insights. That'll be our Wednesday guest lecturer, Rebecca Tweed. Until then, as I say these days, stay safe, stay healthy, stay not crazy. The stay not crazy part, that's, that's my addition to it because uh, I, I recognize that social distancing can bring with it uh, potential craziness aspects. So say stay healthy and not crazy, and I'll see you next week.